Welcome to the Media Mavens Podcast. This is the podcast where you'll find the latest and greatest trends, topics, and tribulations with industry leaders. And now, here is your host, the CEO of Axis Entertainment and the Media Excellence Awards, the original media maven herself, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller, CEO of Axis Entertainment and your host with Media Mavens Podcast. And I'm here with my co-host, Joe Pirates. Hi, Joe. Hello, I am the official Joe Pirates. The official sportscaster, public affairs, Joe Pirates. And yes. we are official that Sunday, Sunday. Oh, Sunday, wait, Sunday, Sunday. Okay. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. It is. <laughs> it is Tuesday. But I'm excited because I have the official COO for official Chris Mann of Subnation on the esports side joining us. So official, welcome to the podcast. Sarah, it is an absolute pleasure to be here. Joe, fantastic to meet you as well. I will try to bring the energy, but I think your radio voice just is going to trump both of us. But let's do this thing. Yeah, hey, let's have some fun with it. That's Joe's radio voice, but it's okay yeah. because my Instagram is Glamour Girl LA, the official and Access Entertainment official. And Joe is official and we have the official chris man so i think this is officially our official podcast <laughs> the one and only chris man in esports in case anyone's curious in case anybody's listening yeah. the one and only what's going on doll it's so funny because like we've known each other it's so funny joe chris and i've known each other through mm-hmm. esports games and god mobile and way back when it's so funny chris because i were talking before we recorded about the media excellence awards because we're the deadline my voice of god is the official Joe Pirates for yes. the past four or five years. So that's why you got to come out to this thing, Chris. You, you I gotta mean, do just, it. Yeah, come on down. Come I'm on down. down. It's really easy to come to things in the year of 2020 <laughs> and COVID. So yeah, not exactly. a problem. I will be there with bells on. As I they like we're on an official game show. Come on down. Come on down. <laughs> Turn a letter. So what's going on, official? You're at Sub Nation. I know you went from some big esports facilities here on West Coast. And UGC, now you are running Subnation. It's a pretty big esports culture. What's going on with you? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm happy to, first of all, super, super excited to be here. You know, big fan of the podcast, as well as, uh, obviously, Sarah, you you have been, you know, you've been around here in digital for quite some time. So it's great to actually be a guest on your show. So I appreciate the invite, Aww, thank you. Officially. Uh, Officially, you know, if you guys are still listening, we might say that word 8,000 times in the course of the next however long this is. But uh, yeah, so no, I, I, uh, I'm a lifelong gamer. You know, I, I grew up in a time when playing video games was, you know, nerdy and not, you know, culturally relevant and all these fun things. So I like to start by saying that uh, as a lifelong gamer, I am one of the only people that perhaps you guys have met yet who has had surgery because of playing video games. And I wear it like a scar. Like carpal tunnel, right? Yep. Well, actually... Wait, that's not your, that's not your wrist. Nope, it is my elbow. So Were you knocking people out with your elbow to get the yeah, I was, I was that good, just, uh, just throwing <laughs> elbows. Uh, no, so so in baseball, as 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 you know, you guys can attest, pitchers' careers ends because of what Tommy John. Tommy John so surgery. Yeah. The Tommy Johns of esports is cubital tunnel syndrome, right? So carpal tunnels here in your wrist, cubital mm-hmm. tunnel is up here in your in you know when you hit that funny bone. So. Oh. I played a game called StarCraft very competitively, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s. And that requires an enormous amount of dexterity and moving your hand faster than anybody should move their hands on a keyboard. 
Uh, and you know, lo and behold, if you spend 20 hours a day on a computer for 10 plus years and you don't think about ergonomics and you know, stretching and all the oh. things that we now know about, yeah, you end up getting a little, uh, little maimed, as they say. So I have permanent nerve damage in my left elbow. I've had two surgeries wow. for it. You know, it sucks. But the, the, the crazy part of this whole thing is that if, if I was to go back in time and say, you know what, if you do the things you're doing, you're going to end up maimed and, and just crippled. Uh, and I've got a three-year-old kid. Sometimes it's hard to pick them up and all that. Oh, wow. I would do it all over again because it was such <laughs> a blast. There's such a love for, you know, playing games and the culture around it and the community and the shared passion and the commitment that we all have to, to the, the stuff that we love. And, you know, the, the, the reason really why I wanted to come on here in a big way is because I feel like the modern day, you know, gamer, if you will, uh, people like me, you know, who grew up playing, it's now not only culturally accepted to play games to say, hey, you know, I'm a gamer. I love playing video games. I love the culture around it. Uh, it's actually more than that. We're, I am participating in, and it can be a little bit polarizing when you think about it. We're building the future of sports. And on one lane of this, esports is very much the future of sports, whether you like it or not doesn't matter because the youth generation coming up viewership is down across most of the traditional right. sports leagues even the 10,000 pound gorilla of the NFL well know. okay not to get defensive here joe let's get into uh, it let's just okay joe's like <laughs> laughing i know he's laughing right now because we just had an amazing interview with NFL players association mm-hmm. and and i got to say we've had a lot of great podcasts But like the guys that really impressed me the most are these sports guys, NFL, we had NBA on and everything. It's like, it's, 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 it's team, it's family. It's just like, but NFL does have a great players association. Mm -hmm. So, and I have played Madden before just, you know, Carl Francis is honor right there, Joe, but you can't say you have more people than NFL. You can never get higher than NFL. Not at all. Not at all. It's, it's, so that's not my point. I think the point is that, video game culture has permeated all aspects of life. So if you look at, let's, let's take the NFL, for instance, right? Even the NFL PA and, and, you know, from the players to the teams to the league itself, Mm -hmm. everyone's embracing video games in a much bigger sense. Why? Like, like, even look at the bubble in Orlando. It's it's, 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 it's community. It's, it's culture. I mean, gaming was just Pac-Man. So it was gaming, but because it's now be called the new game is now, esports competitions and challenges and the great thing about esports compared to traditional sports there's no fans on the field on the courts but esports you could be anywhere around the world billions of people and you could still hit it and win you, you know, still be part of that, that that's a good point and just to, to build off of that candidly there's more accessibility to the pros inside our world than there is in any other sport in existence, right? And I do believe fervently, it's if we talked about building the future of sports, right? It's it's this total, this is a crazy holistic thing. It's like, how do we get to be the ones that are building out? Every game represents a different sport in the esports world. Counter-Strike, League of Legends, Overwatch, Call of Duty. All the communities are just as unique as, you know, hockey versus football versus soccer, et cetera. So what gives us the right? you know, to, to being the people that are, are really building out this pervasive culture. But my bigger point, and we can get into the back into the, the esports piece of this in a moment, I, esports is a subset 
of, of just games in general. So if games is this big and, you know, the people on the podcast listening can't see me gesticulating wildly on video, if it's this big, you know, in games, the esports opportunity is sort of here, right? But, but to reach the broader masses, you don't put video games on television, right? I'm not, I mean, imagine putting a game like League of Legends where I, I joke, you know, you need like a data scientist and, you know, uh, an analyst in either ear telling you just what's going on if you've never played the game before. There are certain games that lend themselves a lot better. Sarah, to your point, you just brought up Madden, right? Traditional sports video games, it's obvious what's going on with them. FIFA is soccer, Madden is football, right? But when you start to get into these other games where, you know, they're first-person shooters or maybe they're, you know, MMORPGs that have a competitive sense or whatever, you know, things start to get a little bit more challenging. So we really are catering to the youth culture, you know, Gen Z and the millennials. As you start to look at the battle for eyeballs moving forward, even look at, I mean, I I grew up, you know, professionally inside Sony Pictures, right? That was my first job right after college. And I spent many years at the studio there building out the mobile entertainment group with some of the smartest people I've ever worked with. But even now, I mean, and pre-COVID, right? Let's uh, let's take all the COVID stuff off the table for a minute. Uh, the box offices were declining a little bit. It was getting harder and harder to get people to come out. Not saying it's dead. I mean, geez, I love going to movies. I miss that dearly, you know, this year and smelling all the popcorn and all that stuff when you walk down those those dark, dank halls. Uh, see, uh, I miss I miss my courtside seats on the Clippers and on the ice like that. I don't miss movies. I do miss my sporting events. Sure. That's sure. like was like. Yeah, that's where my heart's breaking right now, COVID. What do you think, though, you know, if you look at, like I was saying earlier, the NBA bubble, you know, when those guys were stuck in Orlando and they weren't competing, what do you think they were doing? Playing video games. games. Yeah, they were easy. Well, but but some, a lot of, two or three of the teams, uh, like O'Neal, HP, Sixers have Diggs, Digitas is theirs, Cuban has his own esports team with the Mavs. So a lot of these guys have their own teams, esports teams as well. They do, you know. So and- there's, there's an overlap. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, you just brought up Mavs Gaming, you know, the the gaming arm of the Dallas Mavericks. And most people don't even know that Mark Cuban actually built purposeful designed gaming studio called the Pavilion, the Mavs Gaming Pavilion that we helped actually design and curate a little bit right out the gate. But it's their their mecca, if you will, in Dallas. And it's not just for the NBA 2K, right? Dignitas, you know, Mike Prinville, the CEO over there, He's basically, he comes from NBC. You know, those guys are are diversified heavily. You know, they're not in the NBA 2K, even though the 76ers own them. You know, they've got they've got teams in all kinds of different esports yeah. games and leagues and whatnot. So what's crazy about our teams in esports versus traditional sports teams is that you might, and let's use the, the Dignitas example, let's run with that. Well, they're, they're killing it in Europe right now. These they're doing such a tremendous job. The women's league, the men's league. So, right, yeah, and 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 look, I I love that they embraced you know Dignitas Fe, the captain. That's a, a Counter Strike Go CS Go team. Emily Emily Garado uh, is a dear friend of mine. Uh, she's one of the best known female gamers on the planet. Yeah, you, you know she's and it's not even and let let's let's open up this gender thing for a minute. The thing I love the most about gaming is that it's ubiquitous. It's colorless, creedless, you know, raceless, genderless. It doesn't matter. It's about how good you are. Now, there is a subculture 
that exists that, that can be really toxic, you know, and, and I'm embarrassed to be a male sometimes in this space. You enter in a lobby, you know, there's, there's a, oh, there's a girl on the other team, you know, like some of these, these mm-hmm. kids just behave like absolute children. But at the end of the day, you know, what I love about esports is that it, it, it actually is about how good you are or how much fun you have or either your squad. It doesn't necessarily have to be about competitive. You know, there's casual gaming, there's aspirational folks that are competitive, and then you have the top tier pros, right? Most people aspire to get to the top, but I still think, and this is why, you know, to bring it back a little bit to what I'm building now with Subnation with my partners, the culture of gaming and the lifestyle of esports, right? The, the addressable base of people that play casually, you know, on your phone, right? Mobile mm-hmm. devices, mobile games people are like oh yeah i'm not a gamer but i play candy crush for 30 hours a week right <laughs> no you're a gamer right whether you like it or not <laughs> you're a candy um, gamer yeah and and it's there's this there's still a little bit of this i would say this polarity you know there's there's people that don't like to say that hey i play video games because there's still the stigma of it being a little bit nerdy and all that but when you look at some of the lifestyle organizations you know that that typically started based off of, you know, large audience generators, like YouTube content creators, the biggest example, the biggest lifestyle brand in our entire space is FaZe Clan. Are you guys familiar with FaZe? No. So FaZe Clan reaches, you know, and this, this doesn't have to be turned into a whole FaZe thing, but these guys have a 350 million person reach with their, with their organization alone, right? They have a competitive part, which is esports as a vertical. They have a whole lifestyle part where their brand does clothing collaborations with anyone you can imagine. You know, they're collaborating with the the hottest brands in streetwear, you know, in in hard goods like bare bricks. Like these guys are literally the beating heart of culture right now. There's another brand local to LA called 100 Thieves. Scooter Braun is invested in them really heavily. They build these really cool houses, you know, and output a lot of content. But, you know, the, the model is not just competitive gaming at the top tier level. It's also lifestyle content driven about... It's, it's also brand driven. I mean, and look yes. at... I forgot... Um, down, we have a mutual friend you you worked with down in the gaming space, a JB at um, UG or what was it? Ultimate Media Ventures. Ultimate UFC. Media Ventures, yep. and you know the Twitch pods down there, the brands with Red Bull, Twizzlers, mm-hmm. um, or Red Vines. I'm sorry, there was a big fight on the gaming with us. Like, well, I was not a Red Vine person, and I know <laughs> you guys were on Red Vines during the um, tournaments. But it's just, it's such a branding opportunity to get to masses of people, mm-hmm. and esports is. It's sports. It's competitive. No matter how you look at it with teams. Right. You you know, and and look, when you look at the teams, obviously, their sponsorships, the way those sponsorships get activated are very similar to to other sports, you know, other entertainment businesses. You know, there's deliverables, there's integrations, there you do activations, you know, there's brand extensions, you know, via merchandising and commercial time. And, you know, there's some amazing brands that have really leaned in to the gaming and the esports space because you know, if you look at like, let's look at what Activision and Blizzard have built for just a moment, right? And you think about a sports league construct, you know, the the closest thing to, you know, US-based traditional sports leagues is what Activision Blizzard has built with the Overwatch League, 
uh, and with the Call of Duty League. And the reason why they're so similar is because those are franchise leagues where you have a publisher who owns the game, by the way. And let's talk about publishers for a minute, because if you start looking at earnings reports, you know, coming out of publishers like Riot and Activision and Tencent, these guys are printing money. Why? Because they not only own the game IP, but they also they design and create the game. They make the competitive leagues and they set all the rules for those leagues. You know what else they own? The media rights too. So imagine yeah. being, imagine inventing basketball, being the NBA, and also being ESPN, all under one umbrella, right? So in our world, the publishers, they're everything. If you don't have a relationship with them, you know, you can't really go do big tournament events if you don't have the license to do it. You know, in some cases, that's a paid situation. In other cases, you just need their permission if you're doing a community event or something on the collegiate side of things. Uh, but, but really, you know, what they've built, and I'm so impressed, you, you know, the, the Overwatch League, while it's a little bit polarizing for some people, there's this game called Overwatch, you know, it costs 60 bucks. It was initially just for on PC, but they released across consoles and all that. Uh, but the best Overwatch players in the world, you know, uh, the CEO of Activision is a guy named Bobby Kotek. Bobby went with his team and they sold, this was three years ago now, you know, 2017. They convinced 12 different sports team owners or high net worth individuals to make a $25 million investment and basically franchise the rights to one of 12 Overwatch teams, right? For the Overwatch League. And you had teams in LA, in Dallas, in New York, very US centric right out the gate. But then you start introducing expansion slots and, you know, you look into Europe at like Paris, for instance. The McCourt family, you know, from you all know the McCourts, they own a, a you know a Paris franchise in Call of Duty and Overwatch as well. You know, in London, you've got Cloud Nine, you know, that has their their play there. So, I mean, this thing is global. You look over to Asia, you got South Korea, you know, you've got Chinese teams. A lot of our culture is is actually driven by the East. You know, the Eastern sort of. I would say early companies, like there's a company called OGN that came out of South Korea and the game I talked about, you know, that I was a very competitive player in called StarCraft. I mean, the birth of competitive esports really, you know, came out of Korea in some sense, you know, Call of Duty as a separate Mike Sepso and Sundance Giovannoni, they started uh, MLG, Major League Gaming here in the US almost two decades ago. These guys are the godfathers of the folks that actually took games and the people that want to congregate on a local level and play them together. And they formalized it and built a much broader ecosystem that you could bring brands in to activate, that you could have teams that were a part of this competitive landscape. Uh, and it started to feel a lot more like sports. So they, they really paved the way for these publishers to go and find, you know, the, the same model that you find in sports almost if you're going to spend $25 million and maybe you look at something like MLS here in the States, you could buy, this is, I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm more of a gamer kid than a, a sports guy, honestly. So, uh, you know, I, I'm probably in a minority company on this call with you guys, but I grew up playing video games and watching sports and playing sports. I just happened to be a lot better at video games than I was at basketball, football, or volleyball. You know, it doesn't mean that I didn't do both of those things. My point is, is we get, further and further down this path where, you know, you look at 
the competitive landscape of how video games is evolving and changing, how it's dovetailing into sports models. The Overwatch League was the first competitive franchise league in the world, right? Uh, it created the blueprint that Activision implemented with their Call of Duty League. They had 12 teams out the gate. Going back to my earlier example of Major League Soccer, you know, you could get into those franchises for a nominal fee, you know, mm-hmm. a, a low amount of money. Let's let's call it 20 million bucks. And not that, you know, we're throwing around money like that, you know, it's haphazardly. But, you know, if you if you age that 10, 20 years, right, what are those franchises worth? Even the crappiest ones of them, you know, they're they they appreciate like crazy. So that's what esports is right now. It is a game that costs a lot to play in. If you want to be on the team side of things, if you want to own, you know, a slot in one of these leagues, we've already seen, especially most recently, there was a, another liquidity event, you know, or rather uh, an exit for some of these teams. The first one was uh, the Houston Outlaws, you know, that, that was created. And they're proving the model that these teams are actually appreciating in value, even though the, you know, the landscape right now can be a little bit challenging given, you know, we have licensing programs that are in their infancy. They're in their first and second year. You know, the franchise, for instance, I'll give you an example. My previous company that I was the CEO of, it was called Ult. And Ult basically was a modern consumer brand focused on the lifestyle of gaming. So we had a license to build lifestyle gear not player kits, not jerseys, nothing that the players would wear on stage, but we would do hoodies, you know, sweat tops. Yeah, I have, awesome. I have, I have actually some old gear that, um, that JV gave me. So it, and the whole idea was to become a lifestyle for gamers, mm-hmm. but yeah. like, so, but, but I mean, it's, it's a big brand driven industry. I get that, but I'm going to kind of roll back a little bit here officially. Mm-hmm. What is Subnation doing in this space? And I know Joe and I have a lot of questions we want to get in, you know, with limited time, but what is Subnation doing? You're not an esports team. You're building infrastructure to support the esports teams, correct? We well, not just the esports teams. I'd say we're all about the culture of gaming and the lifestyle of esports. So if you think about them in two different lanes, right? We represent everything that's building around why people talk about games, right? We're building event activations. For instance, Subnation was the gaming culture partner and the esports partner to E3 in 2018 and 2019. We would have done it again in 2020, you know, had that event actually gone forward. So part of what we do is we build compelling content. You know, so we do the narrative, we do the storytelling, uh, we talk a lot, we build content for social platforms, Twitter. By the way, Twitter is the main platform that the, the gamers live on inside esports today. Uh, mm-hmm. So Twitter is a very, very important one. You know, I would say that Instagram as well. We're we're curating and creating content for social, which is where the audiences live today. But the bigger opportunity, you know, and what if you look at the Netflixes and the Hulus, and if you guys remember, I I started my career at Sony, so you know, I'm very intimately familiar with the OTT space. Crackle was a big part of my upbringing over there. Uh, we were the first studio that was doing our full catalog that was ad-supported full-length videos around uh, TV and movie IP that we weren't selling, but we were just letting people watch it, like Ghostbusters with ads and things like that. Mm-hmm. So what Subnation is doing, you know, there's user-generated content. So let's say I'm a Twitch streamer 
you know, I stream eight hours every day or four hours, whatever it is. I create these highlight reels of myself doing really cool things. And I post them up to Twitter and Instagram. You know, you could call that user generated content, right? Or UGC. Uh, and then on the flip side, you look at full blown companies that are the production companies uh, and studios that are building out their own content for linear and digital cable networks, right? We're sort of somewhere between those two at the moment. We believe very much in what's called uh, GVC, which is our acronym for gaming video content. And I'll give you a great example of this. So we have a show, we have 12 original pieces of content on our slate that we're actively developing right now, right? We have intended distribution for them. Some of them are going to end up on linear cable, on Mm -hmm. lifestyle networks. Some of them are going to end up on OTT channels. But one of my favorites is actually a show that we call Level Up, right? And Level Up is exactly what you guys would think in terms of a home improvement show with the before and the after. What we do is we level up somebody's gaming setup. So we'll go into their living room and we'll rip it all apart and we'll put state-of-the-art television, the brand new Xbox or PlayStation, a cool camera, all these great peripherals, headsets. We'll do the mood lighting. It's a whole thing. It's a whole vibe that you build and create. Or you know, we'll go into their bedroom and will essentially help evolve and pimp out, you know, their streaming setup on their PC. So our world is very PC driven, right? Mm-hmm. It's not all console driven. So for us, you know, we're we're the guys that are doing a lot of the, you know, the narrative storytelling behind the the world of video games, the world of esports as well. But our focus entirely is on how it's affecting the culture. How is gaming influencing? music or fashion or food or even sports, right? And right. I think there's probably a lot to talk about inside that last one. Uh, but we're, we're sort of Sherpas and a lot of what we do. And to your point earlier, Sarah, we take branded content. So we'll take a brand and instead of the traditional way that a brand integrates themselves into video games uh, in esports specifically, is they do what? It's like going to a concert and seeing a bunch of logos slapped on the stage. They slap a logo on there. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but you know, our our audience is conditioned to reject marketing messages like that. So mm-hmm. our job is to find, you know, something that, you know, is authentic or on tone or whatever uh, with the audience that we're developing for. If we're developing a piece of content that's gonna live inside, you know, a, a Formula One sim racing competitive esports league. There's a really cool one called iRacing. When NASCAR and, and Formula One shut down because of COVID, you actually saw a bunch of these drivers in real life that were doing what? They were driving in a video game against other people who had never raced a real car in their life. And they were getting beaten, <laughs> you know, uh, by some of these gamer kids. So, you know, I, when I said earlier, gaming has become culturally pervasive it's in some ways, some people feel like it's infecting all other areas of life in some sense. But I think that people have been playing video games in the shadows for many, many years. And they finally now feel emboldened to talk about Mm -hmm. their love or their passion. And honestly, a lot of this started, guys, the night that a blue haired Twitch streamer named Ninja, Tyler Blevins, right, who everyone in the world knows who that guy is now, uh, he used to play Halo right? He was a pro Halo player, but he got known for being a Fortnite streamer. One night, Tyler, aka Ninja, was playing with who? He was playing with Drake. 
He was playing with Travis Scott and he was playing with Juju Smith. So you got a gamer kid, two rappers that are at the top of their game, especially Drake, right? Uh, at the time, he was really hot. And you have Juju Smith, who who was on, is on the Steelers. And, yeah. you know, the, the bottom line, and by the way, Juju is a big part of that thing I talked about earlier is FaZe, FaZe Clan. So you have a lot of athletes, musicians like Lil Yachty uh, that have jumped into gaming in a sense, and they hitch their wagon to some of these these organizations that are taking more of a lifestyle narrative that also has an esports component to it. So I think what I want to impress on you guys is Subnation is building out, you know, the infrastructure and we're a platform. When I say the culture of gaming, you know, we find these really fun subcultures. If you find a bunch of, have you guys heard of speed running before, for instance? Yeah. So I have. Yeah. yeah, super fun. So imagine being able to beat, you know, Mario Brothers in three minutes or something, right? The, the world record or, you know, get through these games in record time. You know, there's a whole sub community of hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions of people that love the idea of getting through a game as fast as you can because of all the nuances and you skip bosses and you do these things. There's a micro community there, you know, inside that. And so what Subnation's all about is finding these various pockets of communities and giving them a voice, helping them find an identity. Uh, and we do, and we express ourselves through content and storytelling adapted for different platforms, but also through products, right? And, and we'll collaborate and curate a product experience. And back pre-COVID, we were doing these big events, right? Where we would, we would have an esports competition. There would be some lifestyle stuff going on, music, you know, events. There was parties. I mean, it was all part of, of that lifestyle of, uh, approach. Right. So that's what we focus on. Let me ask you, uh, with the gaming community, and I'm going to sound like an old fogey here, but is there any kind of outreach to anybody who is maybe a boomer? I mean, are there? I'm serious because I'm 58 years old. I can play Madden, but then sure. at the same time, it's like I'm seeing these games that are coming out, and sometimes they seem pretty darn complicated to learn. Mm, sure. I look, here's the funny thing, and I want to start with this. About two years ago, there was a Twitch channel that that popped up. And it was called Grandpa Games. And I'm like, what, what is this? Right. And it was this, this amazing dude. He was a, he was a, you know, an army veteran. He had served like three tours of duty kind of thing. And his favorite video game was Call of Duty, of course. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, his, his nieces and nephews and grandkids basically started a Twitch channel for him. And he started streaming, you know, him playing Call of Duty. And he built an entire following of like tens of thousands of people that would watch this guy. And he'd sit there like looking at the screen all crazy and he'd move really slow. But he was good, like really, really good. It was awesome. Uh, and it wasn't even about is he good? Is he killing other people? All that. It was it was more he had so much fun, the joy of watching him play. So, you know, I, I think the I would answer your question here twofold, you know, Joe. Mm-hmm. I think that there is a certain level of outreach that's going on. But look, I, when you when you were growing up, did you have any kind of relationship with games? You know, early stage like Atari or, you know, Pong. Sega? I was actually one of the original Pong owners. Love it. There you yeah. go. Sure. <laughs> so when I tell you that we're launching a bunch of hotels, you know, by the end of 2022, 
where Subnation is working with Gensler, the architecture firm, and an amazing group of folks. We're building and helping curate 12 different Atari hotels that are gaming destinations that are being built out. And there's this notion of nostalgia. So when you think back on the days of playing Pong, how does that make you feel? Yeah, it feels good. Right? Honestly, yeah. Yeah, because it was simple and it was joyful. And, you know, imagine being able to play Pong, you know, in the sky above a hotel, for instance, from your cell phone, right? Like there's all these crazy new technology advancements and whatnot. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to the same basic conceit, which is it's a joy-based thing when you play a video game. It makes you feel a certain way. Otherwise, we wouldn't play them. Some of them play to escape some people want it like World of Warcraft is like one of the longest standing MMORPGs. People pay $15 a month to Blizzard to have access to this game, right? They print money off of yeah. this, I, you know, but, but my, my bigger point back to you, I think there's two, there's two ways to think about this. The outreach from a future of sports perspective, I'm not sure, you know, you're that interested per se. And I'm just not going to, I'm not going to go that far, but I don't want to make any assumptions, but I don't know how interested you might be in, for instance, one of the biggest esports titles in the world is CSGO. And it's all about terrorists versus counter terrorists. And like how quickly you can headshot somebody who peeks out of the corner (laughs) of a map. And it's like, all of a sudden you're like, what, what just happened? Like that guy peeked out and like four people are dead. You know, and you're like, well, what, what am I watching? Right. <laughs> and I think over time, games like CSGO or League of Legends or even Call of Duty, Overwatch, they can become a lot more palatable, but you kind of have to, you have to put in the time a little. Right. No, I, and, and, and I'll give yeah. you one, one more example. So the Overwatch League launched, you know, a few years back, right? Uh-huh. 2017. And it, it was something that was really run by people who were core, core gamers, right? Amazing, super smart people. But this year, they made a big change, you know, coming in, even pre-COVID. They realized that they needed to, to do, because that game in particular is really hard to understand what's going on. There's six people on each team, and you don't really know what you're watching. There's things exploding everywhere. It looks cartoony. What they did is that they made a conscious decision on the development side and they brought in two NFL producers who did amazing productions for the NFL and different teams and they put them in charge of the product, which in this case is the broadcast that comes out of the league. And so there's a lot of, I would say, there's definitely playbooks from the sports world that Mm -hmm. I think that we're starting to borrow from more and more to build mass market audiences how you design a certain graphics package to do certain things, the data that you get out of the game in real time, you know, it, it, we're still building this thing brick by brick right. in many ways. And, you know, I think that as, as we do a better job uh, collectively as an industry to celebrate some of the fun and the joy that we're having by building the future of sports, you know, I'm hoping that the same way that ESPN commercialize things like spelling bees and, you know, (laughs) chess, for instance, you know, all of a sudden, if a video game like Overwatch shows up on ESPN, and you go on ESPN's Twitter page, there's a bunch of people that are really angry. It's like, get these kids off my lawn. And why is there video games on my esports or my my sports ball channel? And I'm not like that. I promise you. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, you know, I, 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 and I believe that, I mean, here you are allowing me to sit here and, and just, just go on and on and on about, I'm, I'm deeply passionate, of course, about, yes. you know, what we're building, but I think we have things to borrow from the sports world, but at the same rate, and it's funny because a lot of my partners and clients that I've had over the last probably five, six years, if you look at, I'm not going to name any names, but if you look at bigger sports team owners, whether they own a soccer club or they own an NBA team or whatever, an NFL team, maybe they're building, you know, an $8 billion stadium in Los Angeles, you know, all of these people have esports interests now. They're the ones that are making the investments in those franchises. But here's the challenge. Esports is not sports. It, it like, I mean, sorry, let me say that differently. Because I believe it's the future of sports. Right. But you can't take a sports and entertainment company that, that is doing their model a certain way and literally one-to-one, oh, all of a sudden we're going to apply that thing that we use for our football team, you know, or we, maybe we own a concert venue it's not one-to-one. It's a different audience. There's nuances to it. You have to adapt your messaging. Mm-hmm. You have to think about, you know, how you run your brand a little bit differently. You know, I had the the privilege, honestly, uh, of getting to work with some of the most premier brands inside Overwatch League and Call of Duty League. The owners of that team are guys that own football teams and soccer teams and are building big stadiums here in Los Angeles. You know, and and they hired a really amazing people, uh, and they mean well. But part of this is, you know, trying to understand how you build your brand in a way that will be embraced by a, a nuanced consumer set that is literally designed to reject brand messages and marketing. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I it's really interesting that you bring that stuff up because I'm going to tell you right now that I I will disagree with you. I think this is a sport. I'll be honest with you. Esports are sports. And I think the reason why, and this is going to be a a little bit of a diatribe here, is because I see esports as the great equalizer. You don't have to be six foot eight and weigh 250 pounds to kick somebody's butt in a game. Like you talked about the guys with the NASCAR taking on the NASCAR drivers and they were beating them. This is the great equalizer. And I think that's where the future lies. I don't think, you know, you're going to have a kid who may not be able to walk, but by gosh, he can use that joystick like nobody's business. And it's going to be game over for a lot of people who are more ably bodied. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree entirely with you. And, and I think I, 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 I misspoke earlier. I, I just want to correct that because <laughs> one of my biggest, honestly, platforms is that we are building the future of sports. And that's what esports absolutely represents for, you know, the reasons that you just described. And then some, you know, and I, I think that the, the challenge is that we as a as a really uh, look, I, I say this thing like I'm so far down the esports rabbit hole. Sometimes you can't really see the sun. It's like an Alice in Wonderland thing. And when you look up uh, up there, mm-hmm. you know, we, we get kind of caught in like, oh, what we're building is so different and unique and it's so specific. And, you know, we, we systemically reject, you know, anything that has happened. In the past, you know, for instance, if someone who's, you know, really big into the sports sector comes in and they have no experience in esports, you know, and they come and say, well, this is what you need to learn about the last 30 years of what we've learned running a team, for instance, right? Yeah. 
the 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 typical response you know from the esports side is like no thanks it's different you you know it's totally different but the reality is that a lot of it does translate i can't quantify the amount of it because it depends on the game you're talking about if you're talking about madden and football that's there's probably more in that but if you're Mm the 76ers and you're running a CSGO team and you take a, let's just look at sponsorship sales, for instance, like the way you sell a brand and integrate them into an NBA team versus the way you integrate them into a team that plays a game where you're literally terrorists or counter-terrorists trying to murder each other with bombs and crazy weaponry and all this stuff. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not one-to-one and you can't necessarily take the same people there's some back office infrastructure that 100% applies, but you, you need to build that, that like translation layer, if you right. will, that understands the world really well, but, but isn't egotistic enough that systemically rejects what has worked and commercialized and mainstreamed sports and entertainment, right. you know? And I think we need to do a better job of that collectively. You're seeing new CEOs take over some of these esports orgs that don't come from our space at all. You know, for instance, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite people in this whole thing is a girl named uh, Joanna Ferries. And she is the commissioner of the Call of Duty League. She's been with Activision for you know, a little under two years now, maybe a year plus. And she, she comes from the traditional sports side of things. And I think that we need to embrace more and more of that if we intend to commercialize this and grow it to the point where we can go contend, you know, not just in terms of digital numbers and viewership and audience, but I mean, look, there's esports events that are filling stadiums, but candidly, they're few and far between. Mm -hmm. This year was supposed to be the year of localization. There were all sorts of esports arenas that were being built out. You know, most famously in our space is the Comcast owned uh, Overwatch team, the Philadelphia Fusion. They were building the Fusion Arena right next to the Wells Fargo Center where the Flyers play, right next to Xfinity Live. You know, um, it's all right there in that sports complex. So that was a $62 million effort that they put on hold, obviously, because of everything that's going on right now. And I honestly believe that we are right to localize this thing the same way that we have AYSO soccer at a zip code level or you know, baseball leagues that pop up at the local park right up your street. All of this is coming from mm-hmm. a gaming infrastructure perspective. It's just, it's starting top down. So it's starting at the pro sports level. It's eking into collegiate. Is there, and, and what we haven't done well as an industry yet, because we're so young, is we haven't built a path of progression. So if you're young and you're going to sports camps and, you know, you're learning these technical skills, how do you float throw a football better? How do you catch a baseball? You know, yada, yada, yada. More and more of these sports camps. I was just on the phone earlier this week with the guys that do all the Nike sports camps in North America. There is a huge esports focus going forward. And they're teaching the hard skills in game and the soft skills of camaraderie, you know, and being on a team yeah. and some of the things that come with all of that. And, and I think this path of progression that starts when you're very young is something that, you know, there's all kinds of big opportunity spaces right now uh, to get this going. So I I think the thing about esports is it's like everything else. It's you're starting to build communities within communities that are diverse 
on player skill set, interest, brand integration, which is a great thing. Yeah. But we are actually running out of time, official Chris Man. Mm-hmm. So for everybody who's interested in Subnation or gaming fanatics, well, how can they reach out? To, where can they find you guys? Absolutely. So we'll do the quick plug. So again, my name is Chris Mann, CEO of Subnation. Check us out, uh, subnation.gg. That is our domain name in the esports world. It stands for good game, typically. It's what you say, you know, at the end of a match. GG, exactly. GG, have fun. Things like that. Subnation.gg, SubnationGG across all socials, uh, Twitter, Instagram, primarily. We're on Facebook as well. Lots coming from us here. This culture lane, the gaming lane here that we're helping curate and build out. uh, It's really exciting. And, you know, I appreciate the opportunity to come on here you know, talk to the two of you guys. And, you you know, I don't necessarily see this as education, but I see this as exposing you guys, you know, to something we're in the early innings of now still. So, you know, so, so what is your, um, what's your, your gamer name? (laughs) I I have so many of them, but, but the one, the one that I'm going with these days, uh, is Sedale. So I'm a big Lakers fan. Right. And, oh, okay. Uh, so Sedale three, you know, I, I is one of the right. top, you know, twenty five mm-hmm. Lakers right. of all time. Right. So he's Joe, my inspiration. Ha- so Joe, do you have a gamer name? No, I'd be old fogey twenty five or something like that. <laughs> What's the significance of twenty five? I don't know. I just threw the number out there. <laughs> you know, Chris, I think you should go with elbow scar. Oh. You know what? That makes me feel a little like I got a little bit of edge to me. Exactly. So, and then my, you know, my profile pic can just be my amazing yes, elbow. Exactly. <laughs> Man, you, you should be my branding agent. You know, there let's, we go. Let's, let's get this going. Anyway, go. thank you guys. Chris, thanks so much for being on the show and talking about all things esports. It was a lot of information, yeah. but I do appreciate you being on the show because we did need something official esports to be rolling with. But We'll have you back. Good luck with everything at Sub Nation. Joe Pirates, thank you as always for being my fabulous co-host. Thanks. And this is Sarah Miller, Access Entertainment. See everybody next Wednesday on Media Mavens Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Media Mavens Podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or you want to find past episodes, subscribe to the Media Mavens Podcast on your favorite podcast provider. For more information, Go to MediaMavensPodcast.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.